sex, power, politics, presumption with God. No, I'm not talking about politicians in the state of Illinois. These are the themes of our first outlier in this first message in this series. Now, an outlier is simply defined as something that is situated away from, classed differently from, a main or related body, a statistical observation that is markedly different in value from others in the sample. How's that for a scientific sounding definition. Let's sum it up this way. Ordinary people in extraordinary situations. And our first outlier is quite a character. Takes place 3,000 years ago in Palestine. Involves two characters that have since become synonymous with strength and seduction. Samson ruled Israel during the times of the judges, hence the name of the book in your Hebrew Bible. Now, the pattern for national life was predictable in this book. A judge would rule well. The nation would begin to take for granted their peace and prosperity. Then they would rebel. Then they'd fall into bondage to another country. Then they'd cry out for help. Then God would deliver them with another judge. And the cycle would repeat itself again and again. And the philosophy of the book is summed up in the end when they say, In those days Israel had no king. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Could be America. 2011. Four of the Judges' 21 chapters are devoted to the most adventuresome and in many ways the most pathetic judge. If they had talk shows in those days, Samson would almost surely have been a guest under the title Toxic Women and Clueless Men. The tragic story of Samson provides us at least three important lessons we'll do well to not forget in 2011. Here's the first one. Vows are for keeping. Samson was a child of promise. The Bible says that the boy will be God's Nazarite from the moment of his birth. He will launch the deliverance from Philistine oppression. Now, you need to know that the Nazarite vow is mentioned in the Pentateuch, Numbers chapter 6, and it was characterized by these behaviors. No alcohol, no cutting your hair, do not go near or touch a dead body, and no two out of three don't count. Numbers says these are a sign of consecrating yourself totally to God. But notice that Samson had a mission. He had a purpose, and this vow is that which symbolized it. His mission, his purpose in life was stated in that verse, to deliver Israel from oppression. That was his mission. That was his calling. And the result was that Samson had extraordinary strength. 
His strength, however, wasn't in order for him to win the world championship bodybuilding contest and then become governor of California. His mission and his calling in life was to protect his people from the Philistines. Now, if you don't already know, the Philistines were the enemies of God, enemies of Israel. And the word has come to mean unmannered, barbaric. These Philistines were constant threats to Israel. And Israel had an inconsistent record of success, due largely to the kind of judge or leader they had at the time. Not every leader did what was best for the country. That's shocking today. So here we are at the beginning of a new year. And some of you made New Year's resolutions, am I right? I can still throw things. It's not too late in this message to do that. Some of you made New Year's resolutions. Now, those of you that have been around a few years know that not only do I almost always draw this first Sunday in the year, you also know that I have the same New Year's resolution every year. Have any of you been around to remember that? See, that's why I tell you every year, because you forget from year to year. My New Year's resolution is the same every year, and it's simply this. God, help me to not be as stupid this year as I was last year. Do you remember that? And do you remember that my wife has adopted the same resolution for herself? God, please help Gordon not to be as stupid this year as he was last year. Now, I'm serious about it. It's it's a resolution to have fewer moments in my life that I look back on and say, what was I thinking? You ever have those moments when you look back in your life and you go, what was was I thinking back then? What was I doing? Some of you will be successful with your New Year's resolutions. And I'm guessing some of you two days in have already broken them. Am I right about that? Now, a promise to yourself is one thing. Exercise more, eat less. Am I right about some of those so far? Finish that degree, look for another job. Stop eating so many leafy green vegetables and start eating more red meat. You know, resolutions like that. But a vow to God, or a vow in front of God, that's a bit of a different thing. A marriage vow for instance, made in front of God and these witnesses, to have and to hold from this day forward, forsaking all others, remain faithful unto death. Now, that's a serious vow. And for those of us who have made a faith commitment to Jesus and made a, made a public confession of that and sealed it through baptism, that's, that's a serious vow. And so whatever else you achieve this year, measure it against the vows you've made. And so, my greatest achievements in 2010, among them, is that I'm still married to the same woman I made a vow to in 1976. And that I still have a close relationship with the two daughters, now both married, that we vowed to raise to the best of our ability in a Christian home. And most importantly, I'm still fulfilling the calling that I received when I made a faith commitment to God at the age of 13. Samson, unfortunately, 
forgot a very important lesson in his life. And that is that vows, they're for keeping. Here's a second lesson he forgot. We'll do well to remember, and it's this. Flirting, it leads to failure. The Bible says Samson went to Gaza and saw a prostitute. Now, when we pick up the story with Delilah, Samson had already, in the narrative, been told his first wife had been murdered because of his reckless behavior. He'd alienated his family and friends. And in this verse, he's just visited a prostitute. And those are the high points of his life. But through it all, he'd been able to fight his way out. But then he meets Delilah. Samson forgot flirting with danger, with reckless behavior. Leading a habitual, undisciplined life has consequences. He forgot that sooner or later, if you continue that kind of lifestyle, you meet your match. Now, Samson mistakenly thought that his physical strength would protect him once again from the explosiveness of sexual temptation that he habitually gave in to. And for a while, that worked. But ultimately, ultimately, he was no match. And you know what? We won't be either. You may be the best golfer in the world. You may be the most powerful politician in the land. You may be the silver-tongued evangelist speaking to hundreds of thousands of people a week. But when you sit down with Delilah, you'll end up in shackles. And if you're constantly trying to see how close you can get to take a walk on the wild side, cheating just a little, Lying just a little, flirting just a little. Mark it down. Sooner or later, you're going to meet your match. Now, a stark contrast to Samson is the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis. He of technicolor, dreamcoat, fame. The Bible says when he was tempted and seduced by his boss's wife, the Bible says he literally ran out of his coat left her holding it. Don't forget this lesson this year. Towing instead of turning means failure. Now the last lesson that Samson forgot should have been the first one he remembered. Unguarded strength is double weakness. The Bible says, Then she said, The Philistines are on you, Samson. He woke up thinking, I'll go out like always and shake free. He didn't realize God had abandoned him. After being tricked into revealing the secret of his strength, you will remember in the story that Samson was ultimately betrayed by Delilah. And once handed over to the dreaded Philistines, they gouged his eyes out and they bound him in shackles and they humiliated him further by having him tread grain like an animal. And so instead of fulfilling his mission of liberating Israel, Samson ended up bored, blind, and broken. It's the classic tale of what Oswald Chambers calls unguarded strength being double weakness. It's really obvious when you think about it. The straight-laced morality preaching televangelist caught up in pornography. The celibate 
priest involved with pedophilia, the financial investment wizard declaring bankruptcy. It's Houdini trying one trick too many. It's Solomon, the wisest man in the world, taking for himself 700 wives. It's anyone about whom we say, what was he thinking? Samson's strength was a strength. Samson's weakness was his strength. For Samson, a pair of scissors did what a hundred Philistines could not, subdue him and bring him into bondage. Now here's the truth. The truth is our only strength is in our weakness. Because the issue here is really power. True strength is the realization that the only way to access spiritual power that governs our lives and brings us fulfillment in life, is to first of all admit, I am weak. My strength doesn't come from within myself, but from God. The God who grants life and strength to carry out my calling and my mission in this life. And God's work in the world, if you'll take note, has been one of showing extreme preference for the weak, the wounded, the defeated, the people of no account, the outcasts, precisely because they acknowledge their need for Him instead of being full of their own strength. Had Samson remembered just a little earlier some of these lessons, it could have turned out differently for him. When he encountered Delilah, he could have said, God, you know, I'm weak in this area. In fact, I've had some failures in this area. It doesn't look good. And without your power, I'm probably going to give in. Now, make this note. Breaking a vow doesn't mean you, get a, you don't get a second chance. But making a lifestyle of vow breaking usually means the options for you change. And usually, they change for the worse. They may be fewer and less appealing. And so after the vow-breaking and the flirting ends, Samson finally comes to his senses. God restores his power, but the only option available to him is to die along with the Philistines. And the sad saga of Samson concludes when he kills more in his death than he did in his life, and ultimately and finally fulfills his calling in life. Didn't have to end that way. And your new year doesn't have to begin that way. In acknowledging our weakness, we, we begin to fit the category of those Jesus said will actually possess the kingdom of God. He says, it's the poor in spirit. Out of weakness will be made Strong. I was, uh, I was scanning through my Netflix queue, trying to find something different to watch, and I came across this documentary about the fall of Enron. It's entitled, The Smartest Guys in the Room. Have you ever caught that? I, I knew a little bit about the fall of this huge corporation, but not the details, and I was more than a little interested because at the time this whole saga was going on, I was living in California, when Enron reigned, and they were holding, essentially, as it turns out, the state hostage. Now, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but I was wondering why I was paying $500 a month for my 
gas heating bill and the temperature never dropped below 50 degrees. And so I watched it. And the premise is in the title. These guys figured out how to make a fortune. They figured out how to outsmart just about everybody else in the industry. But you already know the rest of the story. Sooner or later, guess what? Unguarded strength is double weakness. And the company that many thought were, was too big, too powerful, too rich, too smart to fail, they failed. And of the top three executives, one had a heart attack and died, one committed suicide, and the other went to prison. Now, the reality may be you are the smartest guy in the room. You may be the strongest guy in the room. You may be the richest guy in the room. You may be the most morally upright guy in the room. You may be the most spiritual guy in the room. But once you start thinking it's because you're the one who made it happen, because you're the strong one, you're the bright one, you're the one that figured it all out, you're in for a fall. And so maybe you want to pray with me this prayer for 2011. This year, Lord, grant me a purpose beyond the daily grind. Lift the blindness of deception from my eyes. Break the shackles that limit me from becoming all I'm meant to be. In Jesus' name, amen.